23 years ago, Ivan was convicted of capital murder. Now, for the third time, he's just weeks away from capital punishment. When this thing goes to court and trial, I have one shot and one opportunity to be not guilty or I go to prison in death row. Mm -hmm. That's that's the reality of it. We have busted alibis. We have caught people in lies. This is just insane because everybody's pointing the finger at somebody else. You just don't hear every day walking in somebody's house, they're going to take the plastic out and pop somebody. So he could get the execution date pretty much any day? Yeah. There's no impediment. This is Cousins by Blood. Episode 44, The Jury Foreman. The jury selection process is quite calculated. The initial group of people is pretty overwhelming. Ironically, the air conditioning system wasn't working properly and it was blazing hot in there, but well over 100, I would guess, in the first sweep. And then from there, it was a deductive process where they eventually ended up interviewing people in the courtroom with both sides of the case and the judge um, asking each of the jurors different questions. You know, I thought all the questions were reasonable except for one. Um, I do recall that the defense attorney had asked me if um, I thought that someone could be saved as a Christian while they're in prison. And I said, well, yeah, absolutely. And then they asked me if if I thought that would be any reason to lessen the penalty. And I said, no, absolutely not. In my opinion, that's blasphemy. That's not my decision to make. I kept my eyes on Ivan Cantu, the defendant. I wanted to see how his reactions were from some of the questions, kind of read his body language since, you know, we didn't hear him speak. Uh, One of the things that I found interesting about that question that they asked me was that, you know, when you back up and you look at the whole trial and you consider the evidence that was brought forth, what the trial was really geared towards, if you will, was almost like out of the gate, he was assumed guilty. And now what are the duties of the foreman? How do you get selected? What does that process look like? Well, the selection comes from the other jurors. Uh, It's kind of a vote. Really, the job that I experienced was to maintain a certain level of decorum uh, to make sure that nobody you know, gets close to talking about things they shouldn't talk about during the process when we're in the deliberation room and just try to kind of nudge everyone forward and not get hung up on details that would would hold us up, you know, just to make progress, if you would. And it was easy to do. Uh, that was not difficult. We had one snafu. Well, after we'd found him guilty, we, we had to figure out how to answer the state questions to decide whether it was life in prison or the death penalty. And basically what we did was to the T answered state questions, right? There was one lady who kind of started 
going backwards on the idea of sentencing someone to death, and I had to remind her that she had to swear that she could do that before being selected on the jury. It was very difficult to swallow the notion that I had to sign that piece of paper that actually delivers the sentence. Do you remember roughly how many days you were at the courthouse? It was a month. Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's loose, but I'd say roughly 30 days is how much it took out of our lives. Wow. And it wasn't the type of thing where you were sequestered and couldn't go home at night, though. You could go home at night. No, we were sequestered the last day because of that issue that I told you about. It was about 7 o'clock at night. We had just finished some pizza that the bailiff had brought over. We were kind of at a kind of a gridlock situation. So I asked the other jurors if they would go along with just being sequestered and, you know, start fresh in the morning. And we all agreed to it. So we were sequestered one night. Before we get to the whole deliberation, what do you remember of just being there every day? Walk me through what you remember about the, the trial portion of the guilt and innocence phase. Yeah, you know, there was a, there was a lot of testimony involved uh, in both phases of the trial, but you know I think you adequately had identified Amy Betcher to be the one who uh, came forth with you know the entire story as she told it, and um, she was an interesting character. She was a young gal, but you know twenty maybe twenty four or something like that. Her mannerisms were odd. She acted like an intimidated 12-year-old girl throughout the trial. The way that she handled herself and answered questions was so wild-eyed and so bizarre, in my opinion, that it was almost kind of hard to take her seriously. But she was a witness, and she had a story, and it was our obligation to listen to it. Did she come across as credible? Yeah, she came across as credible. I mean, it it looked like that she was recalling things. There was some real, really kind of incredulous thoughts as she was testifying in my mind, because, you know, she goes in and she just sees this horrific sight and, uh, I mean, accepts a ring. And amidst all this stuff that's going on, that seems just absolutely incredulous, right? But... I don't know that world. I know that everybody during the time that this happened was inebriated with drugs. And that really was something that I had in my mind throughout the trial is that, you know, these people really weren't in there. They certainly weren't 100% during these days that they're talking about. And did it seem like Amy Betcher was shaken up when she was recalling the key pieces in her timeline where she saw the bodies? Yeah, I'll talk about her demeanor and the defendant's demeanor during this process because this was a time when I really paid a lot of attention to Ivan Cantu's mannerisms. And I did not see any change in mannerisms or expression with him. She was just simply answering questions without much emotion to give you an idea every, how matter-of-fact everything was, when they asked her what they did when they got to Arkansas, 
after the crime had allegedly been committed. She said they came inside, they talked to the parents, then they went out back and they smoked some speed and they came back in. And that's kind of how she went about the process. She would just go through what she recalled they did. Uh, Not a lot of color. And so was it taken as fact by the jury that, that Ivan actually stole the victim Amy's ring and then gave it to Amy Becker? I mean, was that just kind of taken as fact? Yeah, that was unbelievable. It was just crazy that she would do that. And But during our deliberation, it made sense that someone would go along with something like that, at least for the time being, just out of fear for their own lives. I think a lot of women would probably be smart enough to not resist situations in situations like that, but wait until there's an opportunity to get away, which logically would have happened before they went to Arkansas. But her dad's a cop, so, you know, there's that. What did the jury think about the Pizza Man story? That seemed like a a theme that kept coming up at trial, right? I mean, at the time, given all the testimonies around the trial, given everything that we were consuming uh, during the trial, it seemed like something that would have been, you know, came from a made-for-TV movie or something. It was just lame, if you will. And I think everybody would agree. I mean, whether it's true or not, it's just, you know, if it were going to be an excuse, it's a pretty bad one. In the grand scheme of things, it could be, if it were true, it's, uh, you know, a a terrible oversight. At any rate, I, I don't recall that being a laborious conversation. And what did the jury think when the defense rested without presenting any defense? Well, the thing we were left to think is that there's really nobody around that could defend him legitimately. I found it very unusual. Typically, there's going to be something that there wasn't. Did the jury hold it against Ivan that he didn't testify? I wouldn't say that we held it against him. We assumed that there was a reason. But I think if you were to poll all the jurors, you would find likely unanimously that he really should have. So roughly how long do you remember being in the deliberation room? It was pretty swift, yeah. It it didn't take long. I mean, like I said, we went through scenarios that could defend the, the defendant. It was just you know, really nothing there. You can only try what is presented to you. And that's what we did. And uh, given everything that we were presented with, it just left us no question. Was there anything else that you recall of note from the trial that we didn't cover? I don't think so. I mean, I didn't follow this when you started the podcast and my wife did. She found it interesting, so she would tell me things here and there, but I I simply told her, look, I was given a job, I did my job, my job's done. So, you know, I want the best for the families involved. I want the best. The defendant's actually not guilty. To me, it's not a matter of whether or not he should live in prison or die. That's not what it is. It's, did he do it? And at the time, with all the evidence we were presented, 
it was without question. And yeah, there's doubt around it now. The foreman didn't keep up with the podcast, but prior to this interview, he had read over Ivan's subsequent application for writ of habeas corpus and watched the 24-minute summary video I put together before Ivan's second scheduled execution. There's some questionable things about it. One side tells me, yeah, it's easy to do that, and it is, but the other side still tugs at me that, you know, what if the trial was just such a mess that it didn't accurately represent someone and that they could lose their life they've already lost. He's already lost 30% of his life over it. Well, in, in consideration of um, all the other information that wasn't presented at trial and the, and the new evidence, if that had been presented during Ivan's trial, do you think that there still would have been a unanimous guilty verdict for Ivan? or? It's hard to predict. I think it would have certainly played a role in helping us come to a conclusion. It all goes back to the same thing in my mind. You know, why wasn't that brought up during the trial? Why didn't it happen? I mean, it just, it's, it's ridiculous that there was nothing like that presented in the trial. And I don't know why that is. I, I don't know if it's uh, the defense attorney's fault or if they saw what the real story was and said, well, that's not going to apply. It's hard to say, but there was a big chunk missing from the whole thing. Looking back at it and knowing there was, aside from just Ivan testifying, there was information that the defense could have presented and they could have poked holes here and there in the state's case. Do you feel like Ivan did get a fair trial? I don't know that I could say it was fair or not. I think his trial was incomplete. I think he made some critical mistakes in deciding how he would represent himself. Again, and you just kind of think logically, if this is a guy who everybody says is one guy to be around, uh, intelligent, knows the mortgage business, he would have more sense than to sit without expression and watch this whole thing go down the way it did. I just didn't see that. I didn't understand that part. I don't know these people. I don't know his personality. His trial was incomplete. Whether or not it was fair or not, kind of rests on him because what did he hold out that he shouldn't have held out and why? You know, those are questions that have to be answered before you can actually and accurately answer that question, in my opinion. He was giving his lawyers a list of people to call to the stand and even questions to ask them, but his lawyers essentially refused to call anybody because they didn't call anybody for the guilt and innocence phase. They were telling him that the state hasn't proved their case, so don't worry about it. But in reading the trial testimony, that sounds crazy because it was the state's case. That's why after the defense rested without presenting any evidence, 
that was that's why the whole process of Ivan was getting irate without the jury being in the box that whole conversation was had with the judge and his attorneys and uh Ivan really wanted to represent himself but they kind of wrangled him back in just because procedurally you know being in the dark legally about the legal procedures is why he didn't go down that route but that is something that obviously Ivan has always regretted given given the position now yeah the connotation that the jury got was this guy doesn't have a leg to stand on because he's he's got no counter to all this. And that's kind of the way it came across. He was dead in the water before he got in the water. Well, they denied his latest. I saw that. Yeah. yeah, and so now he's got his third scheduled execution date on February. In February, 28th. right? Yeah. yeah. To be completely honest about the way I feel inside, that bothers me some. But I think any juror who knows about what's going on now feels that way. Real frustrating part now is his latest filing was denied, but it wasn't denied based on the new evidence uh, or the merit of the new evidence. The merit of the new evidence wasn't considered because the CCA, the Court of Criminal Appeals, ruled that it's procedurally barred. But the thing that I don't really understand, if Jeff recanted his testimony in 2022, then clearly that information wasn't available in, in 2004. When Ivan's original state habeas was filed. I'm not a lawyer, so I'm just confused on the, the legal process of how they're able to say no, it's procedurally barred, and no court can even review this new information on the merits. Um, no, I think so that's, that's, that's should be, it, it is. The way that, that I think it should be viewed is if it's something that's significant, then it needs to be looked at. And if it's something that could potentially prove that they've got an innocent man incarceration, then certainly wants to be looked at. Being a part of the trial and knowing what I knew, knowing what I was told, given the responsibility I was given, if everything else that we've learned or heard today had been included in that trial, it would have, I'm not gonna say it would have possibly resulted in a different sentence, but it would certainly have led us to different philosophies throughout the process. I don't think the law should turn a deaf ear to this. That's why it's important, I think, for somebody to hear this. It's no longer, you know, I'm not in that courtroom anymore, but I guess the deductive process would be, well, if Amy lied about this, then she'd probably lie about this and that. So you take that piece of it and you put it with all the other testimonies and see how much it teeters the bar. And um, I don't know the answer to that, but at the same time, everybody deserves a fair trial, especially in a situation where it's life or death. You put yourself in his shoes. There's an emotional pull to this that all jurors are going to be feeling, and that's there's a human being whose life's on the line. It was hard, 
even though we said we could do it and we did it. It was hard to say, okay, state of Texas, we give you permission to take this man's life. That's not easy. And then you have an aftermath of all the things that have been presented since then. It will make all the jurors torn emotionally to think, have I made a mistake? All we could do was try what we knew. Because I didn't know anything about this, none of the people, nobody. But it's tough right now to think that I was involved, especially as a hedger, and there's a possibility that the evidence that we heard was inaccurate. at least shake it out enough to know, okay, you had two people here in the courtroom who were most influential in the entire process, and we've now learned that their testimonies are invalid. And if that's the case, then yeah, he needs to be tried again. The law is in line with the jury foreman's assessment. The 2009 case law of Ex parte Chabot ruled that if materially false testimony contributed to a conviction, then the applicant's due process rights were violated and the applicant is entitled to a new trial. It's that simple. And that makes perfect sense. If someone is convicted based on fraudulent evidence, the conviction should be overturned. So if it's that simple, why won't any court write this wrong? Why, instead of making this right, is Ivan still scheduled for execution? Instead of giving Ivan a new trial, which, by the letter of the law, he is entitled, Texas is going to kill Ivan. That's the opposite of justice. How can Collin County continue to stand by this conviction? And as it turns out, another issue has been uncovered. I have a lot of questions that it's obvious the people in their ballistics did not ask. Just scientifically, forensically, that type of bullet, if it goes through a two by four, it can't look like that. Is what you're saying? No way. Over the past few months, we've been doing our own ballistics investigation and getting a look at the bullet hole in the Pear Ridge apartment by removing the exterior boards and opening up that wall. When they take that board off of there, and if they find that the round is still in there, there are some investigators out there that are gonna be backtreading, trying to cover their tracks. Next week on Cousins by Blood. Four weeks from now is Ivan's execution date. If you were listening in real time last year, here we go again. 
and it's time to start making noise again. There's a petition you can find in the show notes of this episode and the CBB website and our social media. You can go to ivancantu.org under the ACT tab. That will link you to an email to contact District Attorney Greg Willis. And another easy thing to do is just spread the word about this injustice. The more people that know about this, the more pressure that will be put on Texas to stop this execution and finally give Ivan a fair day in court. Help save Ivan's life. Thank you for listening and stay tuned.